Welcome back to another edition of the UK Pick 6 podcast, where once again we are talking all things American football. No Jazz or Dave on the intro, just myself, Ollie Wilson. Uh, And that's probably because we kind of talked ourselves out when we got chatting yesterday. We did a half-hour podcast talking about everything from Antonio Brown's retirement to Michael Bennett's retirement. Um, And then we're talking about, again, the situation with the NFLPA and the NFL and the requirements to get the season going again because of covid and we thought, great, we've spoken about all of that. Now we've got an interview with a Super Bowl winner, former New England Patriot and New York Giants, Shane Vereen. Uh, we'll probably have half an hour with him or so to talk all things NFL, talk about the news, talk about his career. And then it just escalated quite a lot to a point where we ended up being on a Zoom chat with Shane for about two hours. There was an hour or so of football talk, which was really fun. That's going to go up. Then there was an hour or so of talking tequila and restaurants and podcasts and comedy. And yeah, we just went down a rabbit hole with him. He was wicked. Absolutely awesome to chat to. There's going to be loads of clips going up from that uh, going out on the Instagram uh, which is UK underscore pick underscore six podcast, UK underscore pick underscore six podcast. There'll be stuff going up on Twitter at UK pick six pod. That's at UK pick six pod. And of course, the YouTube channel as well. Just search UK pick six podcast, like subscribe, and we'll have loads of video clips from that Zoom chat with Shane going up in the next few days, including the full hour of talking NFL. And I think we're going to piece together some of the bits uh, not talking about NFL and make a kind of a separate video on that as well in the coming few days. That's everything that's coming up on the podcast. This is us talking to uh, firstly ourselves and then to Shane Vereen. Sit back and enjoy. Over the middle, picked off! Blitz coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again. And it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone and he's picked off. Back the other way. Uh, are we starting off with the retirement king? Yeah. Let me no, retirement goat, Ollie. Retirement goat, goat is great. Sorry. All time retirements. Come on. Well, you can't, have that many, you can't chalk up that many retirements and not be the greatest of all time. Do you feel a bit sorry for Martellus Bennett, who also retired kind of within hours almost of uh, Antonio Brown's second retirement? And that's a legit retirement. And it's still kind of been overshadowed by Antonio Brown tweeting a whole load of stuff that was cryptic and not really a retirement, but it is seemingly a retirement. And then he's dropping an yeah. album, apparently. Yeah, it's, well. an, it's annoying because... Um, did it's you say Martellus? It's, it's Michael, Michael Bennett. Bennett. Yeah, yeah sorry. Just, just That's his brother, uh, tight end, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's annoying because Bennett had a legitimately great career. And yeah, for it to be feel like an afterthought. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's because of AB. Everybody's kind of like so excited by any of the crazy stuff that he does that he's going to get some headlines. You yeah. know, I think if he like... I don't know. If you talk to somebody in the street, I think somebody would be listening right now. It just seems like he's being followed and like yeah, he's got a lot of attention. He's got a lot of eyes on him still. Mm. So like, He's got a type of personality, doesn't he, though? It's very out there, which is good because it works perfectly for social media. 
that's how he's made such a fall in for himself for that. But in terms of his play, you can't argue with the numbers. You can't argue with the production. I think I saw a stat that said that he was still in the top five receivers in some stats and hadn't played all last year. So you take that into consideration, him saying he's going to retire again becomes more news because there was lots of talk of him coming back, wasn't there? Yeah. Well, he was working out with his big name quarterbacks. Given the way COVID is, there'd be less teams willing to try and take a risk on him coming and disrupting everything because they have less time to prepare and less chance to really vet to see what he's going to be like until he's there. Although... Although, does it actually mean that you would want to pull in somebody who's a proven veteran Hall of Fame player rather than worry about your rookies and your second-year guys? Like, but then what culture does it dis- disrupt is the trouble? Well, I think you're already accepting that when you bring him in. So if you yeah, bring him in, yeah, it's not true. like a wait and see whether he's going to clown around. It's it's like it's he will, yeah, he will do that. So yeah. it's like, okay, but we're if, just projecting the upside. You if know? his clowning around causes covid to come into the building like would you yeah, trust antonio that. brown to appreciate a lockdown situation in in your franchise I, I would not at all so if he brings covid into your building yeah, yeah. ends up delaying games potentially <laughs> delays the season that's, that's, are you, are you accusing that's, that's really antonio stretching. brown of are you accusing him of, he created of not COVID. social distancing <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was going much further into that rabbit hole. No, 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 no. I, I would never accuse him of anything. I'm just saying that hypothetically, though, like the NFL could, as we discussed, I think last week, um, could be rocked by, you know, one COVID case coming into the building or two weeks ago. In fact, um, one team ends up with COVID linemen, then perhaps a whole player position group need to be tested and perhaps need to be quarantined for 10 days or so if they've been close enough you know they've been talking about the chips that they're having in every single pair of pads now so if a player gets it they know exactly who he's been in contact with within uh within six feet of on the nfl field and the practice field so if you're a free safety and it's a running back that ends on the opposition team that gets covid and you're not up there tackling him or anywhere near the play then you don't have to get tested because they're like well it's not six feet so it's okay so, one case can put the whole thing out of kilter. So, if you bring in Antonio Brown and he ends right, up being that guy, has he, has he had COVID? I don't know what the connection no, it, is. No, here. it's more. Like, it's more. Antonio Brown's just... going to do what Antonio Brown wants to do. So, you do you trust him as a okay. franchise owner and as a head coach? So Antonio hands. Brown is going to be the guy <laughs> that doesn't go out when the team is down in Miami or something like that. Okay. And in Florida or any of the hotbed states where there's a lot of COVID still, the numbers are going up in a number of states in the US. It's just... Yeah. COVID that he shouldn't go to Florida anyway. He it's shouldn't an, go to Miami. He's got lots of issues there. It's Don't an original uh, take, Ollie. I'll give you that. I haven't heard anybody else uh, kind of talking about... Uh... Yeah, that connection. If you were, if you were to ask me which players are most likely to disobey a lockdown and end up potentially and be more likely to bring COVID into a franchise, Antonio Brown, if he was on a roster, I know, would be up there as one of the top ones. It's an interesting point. I just like the way your brain works. And I would say, just to enlarge on that, you know, the the yeah. two the two villains of uh tw- the last year and a bit, you know, Antonio Brown and COVID. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a stretch. But okay. The biggest villains go together. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but like uh, the the Utah Jazz player that before the NBA season got Rudy shut Gobert. down, Rudy Gobert, who um yeah who 
coughed all over the microphones. Was like ha 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 COVID, <laughs> and then tested positive for COVID, and was kind of the reason why it all got shut down in Jeez. a crazy ninety minutes. That's the kind of thing I could see Antonio Brown doing at a press conference. <laughs> I mean, we just he's done yeah. a lot of wild stuff recently. It could be another thing that he does. And I wouldn't want to bring that in at this time in particular in the NFL. I imagine they'll put things in the contract as fines. If you if you are if you contract COVID because you've broken the player bubbles or done X, Y, and Z, there'll be some fines in there. And they won't be small. But doesn't be big ones. I mean, that's all gonna come down to the NFL PA and the NFL kind of reaching their agreement and and that's been a big thing this week with the the number of high profile. NFL players on that was it Sunday night or Monday night that they put out the Monday night I think we want to play hashtag and it was it's the biggest of the big it was pretty much every player that I saw on social media put JJ Watt seemed to be leading the charge as well yeah, I think you shared too. some of that yeah Carson some of Wentz really big Russell guys, Wilson so. Patrick Mahomes you know it was the faces of franchises that and, and right now yeah, especially for the NFL if Patrick Mahomes does something as the reigning Super Bowl champion the MV, uh, former MVP and the Super Bowl MVP the NFL has to listen and has to take note because the there is nothing but positivity around Patrick Mahomes in terms of the public opinion. Yeah, so I think I saw he was towing the party line though. I think he said, well, I hope everything gets worked out so we can go back and play. Didn't say anything about displeasure or unhappiness. He just kind of didn't sit on the fence. He was more kind of leaning towards, I hope it all works out. That's it. Yeah, but Whereas, of course, other players have come out and said, well, no, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this needs to be done in order for us to be able to be safe, which is they're completely just, fair. They're just so far away from it. It just seems well, crazy seems that closer. we're... Yeah, it be nearly closer. the end of July, though. And like... These things always take at the last minute, don't they? It's always the last minute. Well, There's rookies, always kind of... What, what, what examples what have you got of this situation prior to this, Jazz? In terms of things taken Getting to the closer. 11th hour... Yeah, that's something as as dramatic as this. I guess a hold a holdout. Yeah, I mean, like a lots player of times strike, the CBA but... has been very close to being not agreed, and then the last minute it is agreed. Sometimes it takes actual holdouts and lockouts to happen, and that can go on for weeks. I'm sure that there was a season that was completely lost to a lockout as well. Yeah, there happens were... in the Major League Baseball. There's been lockouts for that. NBA in the NBA in 2000, and I think it was 2010. Or eleven or twelve. They didn't start that. until it was complete... Christmas, wasn't it? They, they ended up. But it's not. They were always working playing Turkey and places but, like that. But that's a lot of. Um, I mean, this is completely different territory in terms of player safety, and it's just the practicalities of it. You know, the the CBA and contract talk. You kind of when you get down to it, you kind of know what they're going to be arguing about it's going to come down to money it's going to come down to how much you have to work and how you work but this is like they have to change the way everything is yeah totally. the way everything is it's like it's legitimate like i do feel for the nfl because you know i mean it's always easy to see it from the players point of view but for the nfl i mean they're kind of create they're trying to create like a new environment from scratch you know because they can't i know that they can look at the nba and they can look at other you know the premier league and stuff but it's a very different game with very different sized teams and like i said last week the support staff is just i ridiculous. know i just I do you think know. the nfl the squad i just think it's really hard for them can you imagine being the guys that you're like sitting down in a room and you're like right we need to sort this out how are we going to do it and you're like yeah, yeah. oh my god but they're paid a lot of money to do that in fairness that is their job they, they are i'm just so I've i mean it's, that's, that's like saying you know? that oh, i would hate to be the prime minister well that is their job that is what they're paid to do 
By by all so, accounts, the NFL's messed up in two potential ways. One is just not talking to the NFLPA enough and the players about what they need to have happen. See, so the NFL yep. kind of came up with a contingency plan and the players went, well, we've never seen this. We don't like this. Here's why. And the NFL kind of got seemingly got to this point of, uh, well, we're getting really close to it. So guys, just come in and we'll just yeah. kind of make it up as we go along. And to yep, the NFLPA's yep. credit, they've kind of said, no, we need to have this set in stone because we need to know what's going to happen with... You know, family members, for instance, that are uh, really susceptible to COVID and high risk yeah. players that are high risk. And is there that opportunity to still get paid if you choose to opt out of playing for those reasons? I think that's yep. a huge one as well as the, the player safety in the facilities, etc. But so either the NFL did that and didn't speak to the NFLPA enough or because they started making all of these plans of, right, we'll move the 49ers to Texas and we'll move people here like because their numbers were going down at that time i you really get the feeling from the initial movements that were made with the nfl were like we're going to have this season and from what we're seeing in these first few months of the u.s dealing with covid we're going to just have to move stuff around but it will be okay because numbers are dropping off here and i don't it seems like they yeah. almost didn't anticipate a, a of, second a lot spike. of eggs in that in a lot of eggs in that basket didn't they yeah and, That's and, a good point. and this really is did. this could be completely off the mark I don't know how the NFL has made decisions. I don't know how they've spoken in their head offices in New York or anything like that, obviously. But this, that's just from the outside view. You just get that feeling that they were like, oh, it's all just going to work out in the end. We'll just move some things around and COVID is going to slack off yeah. and slack off and, and it'll be it, fine. Are we not playing September? Worse, yeah. September's ages away. Don't worry about that. It, it was all, we're going to have fans in stadiums. Like by September, yeah. we'll be fine. We'll have fans in stadiums, even if the stadiums need moving around. And now it's like That's New York, wrong. no. Philadelphia, no. Uh, Jacksonville, no. Or some 25%. Some more, no. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it, they have dropped the ball somewhere massively. And I don't really have a problem well, with the NFL PA taking their stance of, well, we're not going to play if stuff isn't right because every single person deserves safety at their workplace. I think to say they dropped the ball is a bit unfair because this is a situation that no one, one, predicted and two, can continue to predict what's going to happen. So you think of it this way. When we were back in March, we all thought, oh, May, end of May, be back to normal. No troubles. And now we're middle of July, almost yeah. end of July. We're yeah. still nowhere near a back to normal well we are back to more back to normal than we were but nowhere near back to proper normal if you will mm. so the fact that they've had to consider that and think about it they probably have had their plan a back to normal by that point no issues training camp starts a bit later we'll get rid of some preseason games maybe add an extra week later on in the season perfect and now they had to readjust the plan again and again and again and again and then trouble is you never know what the plan's going to be until you get to the point where it has to be instilled and then you have to then do the things you have to do. So the guys making those plans, like you said, Dave, fair enough. Again, they maybe should have done a bit more contingency planning than they did. But at the same time, why would you plan for all the contingencies that are possible when you think, well, this is the most likely outcome. Let's go with that. And then if that doesn't happen, well, then we'll figure out another plan. That's my feeling on it. Yeah, I think maybe... it's going to be... Um, do you think it's going to be interesting thinking about... If they if they do have a lot of people going off with uh, with COVID um, and the the season goes ahead, but it's massively affected, where we have whole groups of players not being able to play or not wanting to play, holding out. Yeah. Um, is it going to be? Do you think they'll kind of keep going and like bring in like replacements? Bring in replacements or bring in undrafted the, uh, guys and like in the prisons. I don't know. I just it, and then and then I kind of feel like uh, there's almost a Disney movie. <laughs> 
ready to be made. Moment where like some I mean, of these guys come in and become heroes and starters and already get jobs. exist, isn't it? It's literally called the replacements. Yeah, yeah. We've which got- is a great. American football movie for the record. We've got Invincible, the true story of a guy walking on, and we've got the replacements, the false story of an NFL team being created. Yeah, yeah. just add in a pandemic, and then yeah, you know, you got real. You, magic. You're very right in terms of how the product's going to be from the point of view of if you have players out for say two weeks, what are you going to do about it? Because if they if say for example you start running back, say you say Quan Barkley goes down, and the entire running back room goes down, yeah. Then what's yeah. going to happen next? I don't know. They have to get people off their. They can't get practice squad members because they'll be in the room with the running backs. Yeah. So do you take a wide receiver to go and play running back? Do you get someone else to play running back? Um, do you have to just what if you've got to, well, Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and your whole offensive line room goes down and you have to bring in a bunch yeah. of ringer offensive lines? Yeah. Offensive linemen to guard the highest paid player in the NFL. That's like the worst nightmare for any GM. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you if you look at the charges too, I mean, the Ingram and Bosa are pretty good at getting to him too. Yeah. So that'd you, be a bit awkward. Don't don't you kind of feel as well for some of these franchises, they've got to be having some discussions behind the scenes where they're like, okay, obviously we'll we're part of the league, we'll go along with whatever they're doing and we'll make the most of it that we can. But also like I don't know, like kind of a little bit gearing up for the next year in their heads. Do you know what I mean? Like this bit, is yeah. gonna be weird and it's probably you know having asterisks next to it. Yeah, like is this the year that we're gonna be able to have our Super Bowl run and stuff like that. Are we gonna are we gonna make some decisions that actually are more kind of one eye on the next season? Well maybe actually because know. it's gonna be such a weird season and there's gonna be teams that will be less prepared, there may be a better chance for a wild card to appear and win it all. It might Definitely, be a great yeah. season to put more not put more effort into it because no team goes into the league year not trying to win everything. But it gives you more of a chance for that little bit of fluke and luck somewhere to kind of work out. That maybe that leads you to the big one, isn't it? Well, Isn't I feel like the Falcons. That, the Falcons are going to be a wild card team, so that's good news for us. Maybe isn't it I mean, always we, the, we... the the talk during an NFL season? If you can stay healthy, you've got a chance. <laughs> and this year, it's like, yeah, if <laughs> yes, you can stay really healthy, case, yeah. <laughs> you've got a real if good don't chance. Have your players in isolation, you'll be all right. <laughs> so, how many Eagles players are going to survive the season? That, oh, that's let's our not, real question. Let's not <laughs> even think. I mean, <laughs> that blue tent is going to be full of COVID, isn't it? I'm glad trouble. we don't oh, yeah. have any more preseason games, so at least nobody can get injured in preseason. Like we'll have. Yeah. The best of the best there for the opening game of the season, and then it can all trail off. But what do you guys think about the preseason being cancelled? By the way, I think it's a bit unfair on the undrafted rookies and the well, we had journeymen. We had this conversation on on the WhatsApp group kind of earlier this week, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I, I think it's awful. I know why players don't want a preseason, but I still see why it's completely essential to have some sort of preseason. It's why I never like it when people start saying, "Oh, just get rid of the preseason, go straight into football." You'll see, perhaps in like the first few weeks of this season, what it's like with no preseason because the quality of play on the field could be terrible. With the coaching, I would say, the co- the quality of the coaching might be really affected, which obviously has a knock-on effect, but it's like that it's really the coaches, I think, that benefit the most from it. Yeah, people with... Well, but like new coordinators embedding a new system to players. So players yeah. are going to turn up and be like, well, I don't still kind of get how this works in game mode and we've never seen it before week one we've now got to execute it the yeah, rookie yeah. guys the the and the and the kind of the 
second string, third string guys that maybe use need those reps to to get used to playing in the NFL and be up to speed. Even second year guys, you know, you look at like Baker Mayfield, how much he struggled last season in his second year because people yep. found him out. He needs more time under center and as much time as he mm-hmm. can get to keep developing yeah. and, and turn into a good player him as well. Yeah, and the undrafted guys too. I mean, you look at the people who've made the league and become stars in the league. Like Adam Thielen's a really good recent example of one. James Harrison's another really Michael, good Michael Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett was Michael an undrafted Bennett, free agent. Tony Romo, know. another one. So these players, Adam Vinatieri also was an undrafted free agent. So these players who've become stars in the league only had their chance by going to training camp, having preseason, having a chance to compete. They didn't have a chance to go in, oh, I'm here for a little bit. Oh, well, that guy's done it before, so we'll pick him because we don't know what you can do mm. rather than giving them a shot and a chance. So that's a shame. I think it's going to be a real big issue in terms of roster building for this year. You might find that maybe yeah. next year we get an influx of players who were probably good enough to be on a team this year, but didn't have the chance taken on them. So what's the ideal number of preseason games? Because the NFL wanted to have two this year. And obviously for all of the reasons that we've discussed in the whole bringing players back in and giving them enough time to get ready to play football in their own franchises, in their own training camps, there now is going to be no preseason whatsoever. Um, but ideally, on a regular normal season, if we ever have one of those again, what do you think is an ideal number of preseason games to be having? Because four seems excessive. Three, four is three, excessive. three would be good. I think two yeah. or three for me. Okay, yeah, you have that Cause first because week, yeah, week three is the one where they put the starters in for a full half. That's that's a good kind of idea of where the teams really are. The week after the starters don't play, that's really purely roster battle. So if you had week one. You have it just to see how everything's going, get people introduced to the systems and some live action. Week two becomes the week three game and the week three becomes a week four game and you shorten everything down by one whole week. Granted, it gives the people who are undrafted or kind of trying to fight for a position a bit less time to get themselves together, but they've still got plenty of time in the training camps, in off-season activities, and also through kind of practices and scrimmages they'll have against other teams actually at their team facilities. So it won't give them enough of a disadvantage to my eyes if you just get rid of that one game yeah i mean you know why it's so important as well is just psychologically for players that are coming fresh into the league is well and and guys you know it's a long off season even for veteran guys i bet that the feeling of uh rustiness and you know shaking off you know maybe you're carrying a bit of excess weight you're like you're not in the mindset to just maybe yeah, you're not like in the mindset to just walk straight onto the field. So the people that say like scrap the preseason, I think they're underestimating how important it is to get in that game day mindset. And you can use yeah. that. You're using that as a test run. And that's why they really want to be able to do, they were talking about on the ATN podcast, just at one preseason game at this point for this season would be really crucial because they need to know how it's going to look. Mm. Like how you, the COVID you're, preparation you mean? With the COVID preparation, but like just going back to the original point, if you're if you've just come out of a college, and especially if it's a smaller college as well, yeah, um, you know the difference between you playing at your college like Rutgers or something, and then coming to the NFL, and if you're just going in week one in September and you haven't played any preseason games, you know that's going to have a huge effect on you. You're going to get blinded by the lights. It's mm. going to happen. So I think that the preseason, even though the crowds aren't all there and stuff, they're still televised. It still looks like a real game. I think it's really important. Not convinced by the blinded by the lights because you think of all the kind of college attendances and TV coverage. It's very nah, similar. It's the game. It's the NFL, it's the game though, speed. You know? 
And it's it's their dream now to get paid. They're getting paid now. I think that's the you know, it's I think it's it's a different thing. It's a different step up. It won't be the same for all players, but I would have thought that some players really benefit from that kind of easing in period. Also, you have that first preseason game for any rookie that gets the shock to the system of oh wow, I didn't even realize how quick this was. Even compared to when the teams have those scrimmages in their camps against other teams and like they travel to face other teams at various training camps. that is still different, it seems, as anybody that's watched Hard Knocks will yeah, know yeah, yeah. that those first preseason games are that shock to the system for the inexperienced players. So actually, I mean, four may be excessive, but for some rookies, four is probably like, a, damn, I needed those first two at least to get through and make that jump. And then they still obviously carry on making that jump as, as we go into the regular season, season and, yeah. and you know, week one is different to preseason week three and week four. It's an even higher intensity, but I think it is good and necessary for those essential stepping stones for those players on the periphery and, and those rookie players, you know, can I just go back to what you're saying there, Ollie, about, uh, about hard knocks, that kind of welcome to the NFL um, moment. Um, do you remember when uh, Jay, I can't go which one, I think it was when the Falcons, yeah, it was when the Falcons were on Hard Knocks and um, they were following, we'd just picked up uh, Jake Matthews uh, as our first round signing and he had to go up against JJ Watt. Mm. And it was, they did a really, like a fairly long kind of bit on it because they fo- they yeah. focused on it and he just looked so rattled, <laughs> like unbelievably, like he was like shaking his head, this huge guy and he did okay. Like I think on his kind of fourth rep that they showed, it was just one on one. He didn't get completely destroyed. Yeah, he didn't get completely destroyed on like the fourth rep. But it was a kind of you know, it was a like wow moment for him. Like, yeah. And you miss, you know, they're going to miss out on all that stuff this bit year. Unfair that though, isn't it? I mean, if you're up against JJ Watt, even if you're an experienced oh, I know, player, it's still tough. I'm not saying. I mean, and he's no, he's I know you're not. In, just... He's he's developed into a great player, but it's just I just think that it was the look on his face. That, that kind of stuck with me from oh that. this like, is this is what it's like here we go oh, okay yeah, yeah here we right. go yeah <laughs> he's that strong but yeah the other thing um to mention is uh as, as i touched on a second ago when i rudely interrupted you dave but um the the stadium facility managers and the people working at the stadiums you know even if it's just two NFL teams going in and there's no fans. There still are plenty of people there dealing with things like equipment, getting a stadium set up and prepared for the players for post-game, for pre-game, the the, the food that will still be served and things like that. I mean, yeah, the stadiums that have a few fans, they need the preseason game so they can test run it because you can't afford to get to week one and be like, you've got to, I mean, in fairness, week one of the NFL season, a lot of people turn up six hours before a game anyway is as I found out in Philadelphia when they were there at four in the morning. And it was like, okay, fair enough. This is real. Seriously. Tailgating at 4am. Yeah. That I remember you intense. sending me the photos. Yeah. It was amazing. There was, I mean, I there was, that highly. it wasn't a packed car park, but there were enough people about that you heard like, you know, generators buzzing and people drinking and all that kind of stuff. Do you stuff? think that was like, like a yeah. competition that kind of developed over like decades where it was Who's like, we're going to get here, that we're going to get here the earliest. And somebody was there at like seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then like, it just got earlier and earlier until whatever it was. I mean, the, the it, first man standing, if you start drinking at like four, 5 AM and go until after the game at four, five o'clock in the afternoon. No wonder they're so mad all the time. Strong 12 hours. They're (laughs) they're blasted. 
but yeah, they they need to they need to work out how this is going to work and allow themselves the time to make sure that it is safe and it does work. I mean, I have no doubt that they yeah. are putting in the best preparations that they can do when they can't test it, but it needs to be looked at because, again, unlike the Premier League and other competitions, you know, they're not in a bubble like in Orlando. They're, there's more people in an NFL team than the Premier League. There's more equipment about the place than in uh, in the Premier League. It's completely different to anything yet that we'll have seen. This is kind yep. of the biggest test, I think, because it's one of the first major, major sports, probably besides F1, I would imagine, that is starting its season globally. Is that a sport? I mean. Yeah, yeah. The the whizzy cars around the track. There's a lot where they of people. drive where they drive the cars. All right. Yeah, yeah. The vroom vrooms. Really fast. They uh loud noises. I, I, I do that every day, so Okay. <laughs> Fair. You probably should be getting involved in that, to be honest. <laughs> but um uh, maybe not i've seen you driving uh <laughs> yeah i wouldn't trust you but it's one of the first major sports that is starting its new season as opposed to finishing off an old one so it's yeah yeah yep. it's a complete testing ground for it's a different thing i think that what they should do with that is maybe when they have the the controlled scrimmages where teams obviously the teams usually do it they're close together mm. or in the same state so that way you've got a chance to maybe put them into a stadium, choose a stadium of the two, one of the two teams and you run it there and you don't put it on television, but you run and see how everything would work if it was a game day, but don't treat it like a proper game day. So when you're in the, in the practice and the, the scrimmage, you're not going full pelt, although some players I'm sure will go full pelt, but it just gives you a chance to have a look and see, okay, well, how do we get team A to there, team B to here? How do we keep them separate for what we need to keep them separate for? Mm. How does the, the equipment look? How does the change of pads and shirts and things come look when you go back into the locker rooms? How does the team showers look? All those things have to be really considered and the amount of cleaning that would have to go on if you thought that the showers had to be cleaned for every single player would be... There would no point having showers. You just have to say, well, no, you're not showering. You're going to put your clothes back on. You're going to the bus or you get in your own car. And you're going wherever you're going. Did you see, Jazz, that they the NFL is spending like $50 million on tests? It doesn't shock me. They're gonna, they they have to do so many, though, don't they? Yeah, I know. That's just an incredible figure. <laughs> I don't know how many tests that is, but hopefully it's enough. Like... I think that's the yeah. yeah that's well, question. Well, spending mean, hope... that much. Hopefully it's yeah, hopefully it's a good sign. Well, let's just go on the basis of maybe testing. let's say each. I'm not going to try and do it in my brain because my brain will completely fail me. Actually, no, it's, it's five hundred thousand tests. If each test is a hundred dollars, that's five hundred thousand tests. That should probably get them through a season. Yeah. Assuming that's the cost of the test. If it's of course fifty dollars, it's a different ball game. Right, we're running it's out a million. We're running out of time here. Um, there's something I do want to play with both of you that I mentioned to Jazz just a second ago. So I want to do this quick game. Uh, I've got f- quotes from four quarterbacks. Oh yeah, okay, all yeah. Com- all competitors, all massively humble as well. So I'm going to read out a quote, and I want you to tell me if it's a humble or a fumble. I.e., is it is it is it too hubristic, if you will, um, and which quarterback out of the four it is. The four quarterbacks are your four most humble quarterbacks in the NFL. Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Cam Newton, of course. Uh, so I was just wondering if you can guess who said what and whether you think it's a, you know, a motivational speech or if it's you know maybe just you know not being humble enough. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit unhumble. Yeah. So the first one. I think my best asset as a player is that in the fourth quarter, with the game on the line, I have the desire to win and the feeling that our team is not going to lose. That sounds like Tom Brady. That's Brady. 
And I'd actually say that's humble from him because that's literally what he does. Yeah, I mean, that's just a statement of fact. <laughs> that's so, just fact. And he mentioned, kind of uh, like, he mentioned the it's team like him it. saying that he plays quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I play QB. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a fact. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool, Tom. Yeah. So you win Super Bowls, huh? So that's humble just because it's him. If it was any, uh, if it was, yeah, it was Peyton Manning, I'd say it's humble too, but there are other two. It's that he mentioned the humble. team as well for me that I'm like, yeah, that's pretty humble actually because it's like we are going to win. Yeah. I'm not the one winning it. We're all winning it together. Okay. Next. I see myself not only as a football player, but an entertainer and icon. I mean, we all know who that's going to be. <laughs> How many feathers has he got in his cap when he said this one? Yeah, yeah, that was that was Cam. Definitely Newton. Cam Newton. Yeah, yeah. I definitely say that's probably a fumble. But he's so sick of being humble, though, Jazz. It's yeah, and this is all <laughs> these are all quotes before. That. Yeah. Oh, there, that's, there's... Some tr- that's some Trumpian nonsense, that is. I did like the face, just on Cam Newton really quickly. I did like some of the things he said in that interview you had with Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham and Todd Gurley. Some of the things they were saying were quite interesting, actually, in terms of mindset and injuries and, and everything to go with it. So, Well, that's the thing. He's not. That. He's one of those guys, he's not like an idiot all the time, but he's got flashes of... He says you know, enough that you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's pro- you know, he's got that 10% of like, oh... It's not being an idiot, is it? It's more being a case of he's just being his own best cheerleader, which I also respect because if you're not going to do it for yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. But that's definitely not a humble thing to say. Okay, what about uh, I take my life and put it on the football field and I take the football field and put it in my life. What that's, <laughs> is that Drew Brees? That sounds like Drew Brees' douchebag. No, no, it's, got, it's Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger oh, or Tom Brady right, or Cam okay. Newton. Okay, sorry. I'm gonna say I mean, like, that's probably that's Big Peyton Ben, Manning. is it? That's Big Ben. That I'm is Big ben. ben. That is oh, Big yeah, Ben. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you've got to, so now that we've done the others, you've got to read this last one in the Peyton Manning voice. <laughs> Hello. It's uh I don't really get how that became Peyton Manning's voice, by the way. Well, well uh, uh, that's how he the, talks. The Jan. fundamentals <laughs> of uh, talking are much like the fundamentals of football. You need to be clear and efficient with your words <laughs> as well as your passing accuracy. <laughs> Uh, it's not wanting to win that makes you a winner. It's refusing to fail. <laughs> I mean, right. that's a good quote. Yeah, it's so it, manningy. It's kind of like it doesn't really doesn't really mean anything. But yeah, it's, it's not it's like okay. oh look at me. It's just a it's just a statement. All right, before we, before we're done, I've got some really good cam ones that I'd like to just quickly share with you. Yeah, uh, I love this. Go okay. for it. Not to sound arrogant, which is the best start to a Great camp start. quote. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I am the best. But yeah. what I did in one year, others couldn't do in their entire collegiate careers, which is from his time I mean, at Auburn. That's Warburg. also kind of also true. I mean, he won a national degree. championship with them. It's, yeah, it's kind of so. Fair. He's got some fact to it. I just love that it started off with not to sound arrogant. Yeah, because whenever I hear a, a statement that it goes to a butt, I always get come back to the Game of Thrones <laughs> quote from. Uh, Ned Stark, which says, "Everything you say before but is it's a load of horseshit," <laughs> which is true. Yeah, because yeah, as soon as you nice. say but, it doesn't mean you're agreeing with anything you just said. It means now I'm going to tell you what I really think. Look, look Jazz, I, I don't first bit to give it some context. I don't hate Cam Newton, but he said Tom Brady is good, real good, but he plays in the same league as I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, it is just a statement of fact that one. He should, yeah. he should read. Uh, yeah, I mean, he should uh, look into a few things there. Yeah, 
Uh, there's there's some really good ones. I basically found a website that has just you can type in a player's name and it brings up you know ten to thirteen quotes, and then it has a little um, bit of writing underneath the quote that says whether they think it's hubris or motivational or about being a winner. So like uh, this so one, this should be a recurring segment, I think. Oh, I can find. Yeah, don't worry. I doubt can... that Matt Ryan's got many inspirations. Actually, Matt Ryan, I put there. Matt Ryan, I put his name in, and it didn't come up with any quotes. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I love Matt Ryan, and I can't think of a single thing that he's ever said. Not a single. Think quote of things he's done though, like blow a twenty-eight-three lead. Oh, jeez, oh. that is so I had low. Had to get it in. Is it really? You were in a Falcons top. What'd you expect? Here's oh. okay. Look, let's get off that. Here's you the last. Here's the last quote. Um, from this, Cam. This isn't from Cam. Okay. Guess, guess which of the other three it is. Uh, this is a motivational category quote. Uh, I never left the field saying I could have done more to get ready. And that gives me peace of mind. Tom Brady again? I'm going to say Peyton Manning. Jazz takes it. Peyton Manning. Wow, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, that's a very fair Peyton Manning statement, I think. Yeah, I, I, that's why I thought it must have been him. Yeah, we'll have um, we'll do I some more of those as the year goes on. I'll try and find some like, linebackers and things like that. said we should have got beers last week we should have had it this week yeah, as we well Damn. I know. <laughs> uh, awesome to have you on shane um firstly congratulations on the broadcasting job with fox i'm a little disappointed i didn't get a call as well i thought it was like a tag team duo after the super bowl and stuff i kind of figured that's how we were selling it yeah no i feel, I feel like the chemistry was great and everything you know i, I, I feel for you sold me down the colorado river didn't you sold me down the colorado river um, I mean, I do the same. So yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to be honest. You might want to cut ties as quickly as possible with me right now, but uh, we'll see how this podcast goes. I guess um, there's there's something I think we touched on it when I when I spoke to you in in February when the world was kind of normal ish. I guess as normal as it has been anyway uh, for the last few months. Uh, I want to go back to that amazing night in Glendale, Arizona, when you got that ring on the finger finally winning the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks and that game finishes and Tom Brady makes his MVP speech and he says that he's going to give yeah. the MVP car to uh, Malcolm Butler after the game winning interception and just yeah. at what point did you go up to Tom and be like mate 11 catches second highest ever <laughs> in the Super Bowl like what more have you got to do <laughs> where's my yeah. car coming like what's going on here was is there must have been a little bit of like Malcolm made one catch I made 11 yeah. of those <laughs> <laughs> that was eight but that was the one we needed so oh, uh, there's, there, there's, oh there's, so that's so oh, nice that's you. so nice <laughs> wow yeah, I mean, there's there never any hostility with any of those guys in that team and um I was just I was just happy that we found a way to win the game. Uh, I mean, I still think back to and that was, you know, don't tell my wife, but that was definitely the happiest moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> wow! Uh, and uh, it was just the the emotional roller coaster of that game, and just the highs, the lows, um, and everything in between. The atmosphere, like there, there, there's nothing like it. There is no feeling quite like that. Um, and I. I could care less about the MVP trophy. I really could I, I, at that time. And even now, you know, uh, I do think James White should have got it, though, two years later when he had the 13 for like 150 or something or something. Yeah. Crazy like 
that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think he deserved it, but at the same time, Tom threw for like six thousand yards. <laughs> you know, it is what it, it helps, is. What it? it is, man. You can't yeah. worry about all that. But you still get a ring. Is it? Is it? That's kind the most of important bit. Extra special though, when you do. Because everybody can come up big in certain games, but to for you to play the role that you did in that game and to be such an important part of it, I mean, you did move the chains, you did make so many catches. It wasn't like you were, you know, a bystander, not that you were a bystander ever really in that Patriots offense, but, you know, you, you were an integral part of getting that job done. Is it that little bit sweeter to add then to the ring to that sort of performance? It must be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not even going to lie to you that um, arguably uh, definitely the most important game I've ever played in, but arguably my best, one of my best games, if not my best game. Um, yeah. It kind of, it's, it's a little bit sweeter when, uh, when, it, when you have your best game in the Super Bowl. Nice. Well, it's also one of the, I mean, we were talking during lockdown, we watched some of the classic games back cause we had nothing but time between <laughs> us. So we were yeah. getting on Skype and watching some games back, and we um, we went back and watched that one, and some some other Super Bowls and playoff games. I I think that ranks up there as one of the best games ever. So, um, if you were compiling a, a list, yeah, I mean there might be some recency bias in there because you know I haven't been watching football, you know, I mean between us two decades, mm-hmm. um, us three. So you know there may be better games out there, but that's one of the best ones that I've seen. And I think so too, especially um, at the time. Um, it was a very, it was, I mean, it was the most watched Super Bowl ever um, at that time. Um, I think football, when that 2015, I think the game was, football was finally kind of like a world known sport and mm-hmm. gaining popularity in other countries around the world. Um, you know, so you can, you can make arguments that like Super Bowls 30 years ago might have been better games or whatever you want to call it. But I'm always going to say Super Bowl 49 is the best one ever. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and you could watch it in 4K or 1080 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> if, if you're watching it in the 80s, you must have, it must have been games, especially in like, I don't know, Green Bay and stuff, where you're like, where the hell's the ball? You can't even see what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But just where just where the NFL and where the game has, has taken off, um, I mean, even to where it's at now, has, it's just made tremendous strides in the last 10 years. Um, so I don't think you're far off by saying that that 49 was, was up there as one of the best. So on that as well, Shane, what were you thinking when you saw they didn't hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch? So you shocked? Okay. I've told this a couple of times, but to be honest with you, I wasn't, I wasn't watching the game. So so after Jermaine curse made that catch, the bobble catch, I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, we like, cause my rookie year, we lost the Super Bowl to the Giants. And there was a man, a beautiful pass from Eli Manning to Mario Manningham on the yeah. sideline. And then, so then the Jermaine curse catch happened. And I'm like, we just lost another Super Bowl on like a ridiculous catch. Um, and I was just kind of like down about it. But then I was like, all right, so. We're going to have this much time left on the clock if they score in about two plays. So I think they were on about the nine-yard line. And then Marshawn ran it down to like the one or the two. Yeah. Um, so then mm-hmm. I was looking at the clock. I was like, okay, we'll have a chance for possibly two plays, trying to think of what two plays it would be. And I was mainly just focusing on that. Um, and then all of a sudden I hear just the crowd and our sideline erupt. 
Wow. And I looked up at the at the jumbotron and I see what I figured out what happened like a couple seconds later. Um, and then I joined the celebration. And, oh but, wow! Uh, so you had to see it on the replay. That's yeah, crazy. I had, it, I had to see it on the replay. Yeah, because I wasn't wow. at that time. I was kind of just looking down at the ground, kind of a little bit disappointed. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, we'll still have time for at least two plays. Um, and just going through what defense we would probably see, what they would probably cover us with, and then what plays we would probably have. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So my line was completely off the game at that point. Fair enough. Yeah. Is is there also a relief that perhaps that night after the Super Bowl, Bill Belichick's finally going to let the chains off and let you guys talk to the media and have fun and stuff like that? Because, you know, <laughs> there's that reputation in New England of it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a little stern at times. I, there's there's a little more slack on the chain, but the chain's not completely off. <laughs> yeah, is it? Um, doesn't shock me. There was a there was some conversation about being in New England and and what it's like, and loads of people talk about it afterwards and working under that that Patriot way. Um, for for a player, you know, you were in it for what, three four years, three years, um, from yeah. 2011 to 2014. What is it like being in that? Because I guess everybody from the outside knows that the Patriot way is there to create success, which is a great thing, but, but there's also almost a disposability at times for players when they're not needed. There is a ruthlessness to it. Does that, does that hang over the head while you're there of God, this week could be my week. You know, like, you know, it, it, so for me, because I was drafted there, um, I didn't know any different. So for me, they always told me, you know, it's different here, it's different here, but that's all I knew. So I kind of took it as this is kind of how it should be everywhere. This is kind of how it is everywhere. Um, And then I didn't realize until I went went to the Giants how different things could be. Um, You know, it depends on how you try, how you take it, how you perceive it as a player. I never took it as like them holding something over me. Um, I think it was more them expecting me, holding me um, accountable for the way that I play and practice every single day, um, which is, it is stressful. But at the end of the day, you, you win and you're in the playoffs year after year. Like my, I was there for four years. We went to four straight AFC championship games that not a lot of people, people play for 20 some odd years and never go to one AFC championship game or Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to go to two Super Bowls. So I think, yes, it wasn't easy to play there, um, but it shouldn't be easy anywhere is, is, is my takeaway from it. If you want to win, if you, if you want to be a great team, you should hold yourself accountable for everything um, because NFL, everybody's good. And it's, it's the minute, the small details that make teams better um, and those are the outcomes in fourth quarters. I mean, if Malcolm Butler hadn't seen that play and paid attention to the coaching on Thursday, then he wouldn't have, then we wouldn't have won the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like, yeah, it's tough, but it should be, in my opinion, it should be tough. And I don't shy, I don't shy from that. I think it's harder for guys who have come from a different organization and played in a different organization for X amount of years. And then they come and then they come to new England and it's a whole new way of life. And I think that is a harder adjustment than for a guy like me who gets drafted there. And that's all that I know. Yeah. 
And then you walk into New York and it's like Animal House compared to (laughs) 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 people having beers Uh, and all that. uh, uh, I'm not saying all of that. It's just, it's just different. And 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 rightfully so, you know, Yeah, yeah. you know, you gotta gotta do, you gotta do who you, you gotta be the coach that you are. Um, You can't try and be Bill Belichick if you're not Bill Belichick. Sure. Yeah, sure. So to just a Coughlin time. Mm -hmm. Well, see, but it makes no sense. The funny thing is, Coughlin was actually a lot more like Bill than I thought he would be. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they were all they coached together on the Giants under Bill Parcells, and yep. uh, Coughlin was there for one or two of the Super Bowls that uh, Bill had won with the Giants. Coughlin was the offensive coordinator, um, and so it's like that part. You know how there's like those coaching trees. So the so Coughlin and Bill Belichick come from and Nick Saban in, in some sorts come from the, the Parcells coaching tree. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty oh, yeah. similar in the way that they operated and uh, wanted to call games and how they wanted to practice and, and all the things that they wanted to do. So it was kind of, I kind of felt more at home. It was the, the real change came when, when coach McAdoo took over as head coach um, and he did things a little different, no right or wrong answer. Uh, he just did things his way. What was that like, actually? Because, of course, Coughlin was known as being the authoritarian. Author, 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 I can't even say the word. Authoritarian. Disciplinarian. There you go, as I'm trying to say. Um, I'm sure McAdoo probably saw that as a way of trying to give his own imprint and be a bit more lax with it as opposed to... Yeah. I'm trying to say the word again. Um, it, was, it was more of a learning experience because he, uh, for myself, I think, as well as himself, because it was his first time head coach, uh, first year as a head coach, um, had only been an offensive coordinator, I think for two years, two, three years before that. Um, and so I think more than anything, everybody, including the players and coaches were learning, um, along with him, uh, which I think gave him a disadvantage. Um, he did things his way and I respected him for that. Um, he wasn't going to waver from his beliefs and, and how he wanted to do things, which which I respect him for. Then, fortunately, it didn't work out for that team, um, for our team, I should say, um, which is unfortunate because I think that he is a better coach than our record show. Mm-hmm. Um, in in all seriousness, and yeah. his first year we made the playoffs. Obviously, lost in a wild card game. Then the second year, the wheels kind of fell off. And like any coach can can lose a game like by by small margins. It's not. It's harder to win. It's so hard to win a game in the NFL. Like, it's so difficult to do everything that you need to do for four quarters um, and then come out victorious. And, and it's, it's, it's tough right now. I mean, a lot of first-year coaches, I mean, we're seeing first-year coaches, first, second-year coaches get fired left and right right now yeah. um, just because of the, just, it's difficult. And I don't know if a lot of people understand when they criticize coaches, players, yada, yada, yada. I don't think they really understand just how difficult it is to win a game in the NFL. Do you think the uh, the the kind of lease on players and coaches is getting shorter by the minute because of how uh, this it sounds a bit too like soapboxy, but you know we are getting more of an instant society. We want success straight yeah. away, and the the amount of money that is there for a successful franchise in in anything around kind of uh, you know sponsorship deals for players and things like that, there is a there is an immediate desire from the fans. There's an immediate desire from the players as well, and there's obviously an immediate desire from the head coaches. And then when it doesn't happen straight away, there is an there's an ease to recycle and go again because 
college football as well is so big and impressive that there are a number of people just waiting to step in at either the coordinator level or college level. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of, I've heard people refer to it as the microwave era. Everybody wants to win and they want to win right now. Um, and there's, there's like zero patience for building programs. Although if you look at the programs, even in college football that have been built over time, yeah, they might not win it every year, but they're going to be a, a good team and they're going to be a fundamental team and they're going to be a team that doesn't lose games, um, you know, with stupid errors. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, in the society we are in now, nobody wants to wait for that. They want to win right now. I mean, look at look at um, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, yeah, great went, example. To, went to three straight NFC championships and got fired. And a Super Bowl and got fired. He's at Michigan and they're winning ten Doing really games well, a yeah. year. He's winning ten games a year. Of course, he's not beating Ohio State, but I mean, I I went to Cal. I would love for Cal to win ten games like once. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. like, yeah. like I was at Cal for three and a half years, and we didn't win ten games not one time. Yeah. Uh, we were a we were a really talented team, you know. So, like I I I. I just think it, it's um, part of society right now, just with everything is at our fingertips and we can have everything in an instant, but you got to understand, like, we're, like, we're not, we're not like on your, we're not like fingers. We're not like, we're humans that like have to learn and grow and get stronger and get smarter. We, we're not a phone, you know? Mm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because there are some really good coaches that, um, a might not ever get a job again to be a head coach or B have never really gotten their full chance. Um, in college, I think it takes three to four years to really see, uh, what a coach can do if he, you know, um, but right now everybody's getting two and you better yep. be doing something by, by your second year. Otherwise you're out of here. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Really. I, I think eventually it will change back because I mean, there's, I mean, you're, you're running out of people to hire really but <laughs> yeah uh, you know with, with the accolades to be a head coach but uh i, I can go on and on and on about this topic right now hey, just yeah, just no, wait till uh till you're broadcasting on fox and you can talk about it and then you can tweet about the head coaches that you think should be getting fired at the end of that season as well and you can <laughs> you yeah. can join us in the twitter yeah. army man don't worry Fire. <laughs> man, twitter, i like twitter. that Oh, see, like last year was my first year doing the broadcasting, and they let you know when you have a when you have a bad broadcast, like right now. Oh, really? Oh, oh my goodness, they are the internet is ruthless. <laughs> luckily, luckily, I've been dealing with it since 2011 when I got drafted, and people just badgering me about dropping passes or not getting enough fantasy points for them. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I laugh at it and I take it. I yeah. take it drive but i'm like god leave man you can't you can't mess up at all right now uh without hearing about <laughs> it shane would they say it like in a kind of passive aggressive kind of hollywood way where it's kind of like that's not your best work or would they be like <laughs> no don't do that again <laughs> are we allowed to cuss on this yeah no. yeah say what you want yeah man. Yeah, yeah okay it, it's it's everything from you dumb motherfucker it's, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you lost me my fantasy what the hell is your problem you're so inconsistent, you little bitch. Uh, oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, this, it is ruthless. I love it. I, it's oh, hilarious man. to me. It is absolutely hilarious to me. 
but it does like there are guys who like can't take it and then they start yeah. arguing back with these people who are sitting oh yeah on yeah couch you know what i mean couch critics and i'm like i it I, it would get to me every now and then um and i would De- want depends to on the day you're having right yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> like if i just went and got cussed out by my coach for two hours the last thing i want is you cussing me out like yeah you know what i yeah. mean like on twitter like who yeah are I? I don't even norman know from wyoming or something yeah yeah, yeah. who gives it who, <laughs> who gives a shit what you think yeah. one more cap chain i would have won my championship That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh was that only that 11 the- 11 of 12 in the super bowl come on mate that's a drop right like- <laughs> yeah exactly sort it out exactly. oh my goodness yeah that used to oh it's brilliant it was it was con- it was funny content because me and my friends we would like sit in the locker room and like read each other like all the comments that we were getting if we lost the game or if we had a bad game and it was, it was i mean it's funny some people are pretty funny with it they're witty with it uh and then some people are just downright nasty and mm. you just gotta let it roll it is what it is you know mm. Yeah. It's like what Mike Tyson said. People have got too used to saying horrible things to people and not getting punched in the face. There's a little bit of oh, that yeah. on the internet, which is the trouble. Exactly. Oh, you're absolutely right. Because, I mean, back, I mean, shoot, even when I was growing up, before social media, I, it's weird. Like, I remember life before social media. I'm sure you guys yep. too. Like, if you wanted to say something to somebody, you either, you had to say it to their face or you had to call them and you would probably end up seeing that person at one yep. point or another. You know, and so you had to answer for it. There was none of this, like, I can contact somebody two, three states away and call them every name in the book, and I'll never have repercussions for it. You know, yep. the only people that have repercussions for saying stuff on social media are people with a following, which yeah. it, it sucks. Comes with its own kind of issues as well, doesn't it? It's a thing. Can yeah. I just say, Jazz, how bad a position it would be to say something bad to Mike Tyson ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the that's the worst yeah. spot in the world at yeah. any point in history. I think. Have you guys uh, Mike Tyson? Yes, he's yes. ridiculous. He's like fifty six yeah. now, is he? Is he? Yeah, he's up there. He what is going on? The way yeah. he still moves and hits those yeah. pads. Ooh, you want to be behind that? No, no. That's lights out. Yeah, so here, so here's a little bet. Uh, for every minute in the round with Mike Tyson, you get a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> how how long do you each of you think you're gonna last in the ring? Every for, second, right? For every minute. You every minute. Second. Wow. <laughs> second. <laughs> every second. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm down in ten. I'm, there's no way I'm evading him. He's coming ten straight minutes. Yeah, yeah, ten minutes is a long time. No, yeah. Ten seconds. I ten seconds. <laughs> oh, I'm ten moving. seconds. Okay. So, so I'm down. I'm minute. out. But Not even never. for a million dollars, you don't think so? I don't think I could. I'm sure if he hit me once, I'm down for the count. So <laughs> if I can avoid getting hit, sure. I don't think yeah. I would manage that for 60 seconds against Iron Mike. Yeah. Look, I'm, I've been hit by a car and eventually got up <laughs> to tell the tale. So I reckon I can take Mike Tyson one punch... Actually, yeah. no, it took me longer than 10 seconds to get up after hitting by, getting hit by the car, yeah. actually. So maybe yeah. not. Maybe I can't you did, take it. You did go to hospital. Yeah, I so. did. I did go to hospital, yeah. yeah. No, you, didn't, you didn't just shrug off the car hitting you, like, can I just say? <laughs> probably hit you in the body rather than right in the head. Yeah. Well, going to the hospital after fighting Mike Tyson, no matter how long he made Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, to be honest, I'm hospital if it's a good day. Like, I mean, it could be a lot worse <laughs> if I take a hit <laughs> from Mike bad, Tyson, yeah. I tell you, man. I don't think my body has ever been hit like that the shock alone would send me into some sort of thing i uh i reckon i reckon if i could get 50 bucks out of it 
50 bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. However long yeah, it so takes for them to the throw the towel in for me, that's how much money I get. Yeah. <laughs> Bell goes, you walk out the ring, you leave. Yeah, I wouldn't even be worried about the headshot. I mean, I would be, but the body shots, I think, I, I, scares me more. Like, knocking, getting knocked out, like, you don't really feel it too much. I've been knocked out. Like, you don't really feel it. You've got you, like, speed, yeah. though. But, like, this... Ooh, like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The thing, broken ribs. You can evade those shades. If I got... Mike knows it's a bet and he's just going to try and knock you out as quick as possible, he's not throwing body shots. Yeah. No, run, I would run around the ring and with my luck, I'd probably make it to like 50 seconds. Oh, so just miss yeah. out. Seconds away from a million. Yeah. And you get knocked out. Then... <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference between a professional athlete like you and one of the mill guys like us. You have the speed and agility to do that. We do not. We're basically <laughs> just punch bags. Yeah, that's true. It's a very yeah. generous way to put my fitness as well as run of the mill. That's yeah. very kind of you, Jazz. I would not even put myself that highly <laughs> at this point. Bottom half. Well, we'll put you up there. Have you guys been able to stay fit at all during this, uh, during the quarantine and everything like that? I've maintained my same level of fitness that I had before it. Yeah. <laughs> it was low, but we've made. Uh, well, we've. I, I came into it like, oh. I'm going to work out yeah, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat healthy. Like when quarantine's over, I'm going to be like shredded. And <laughs> that lasted about like a month if I'm being generous. And now I'm just like, forget it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost all motivation <laughs> completely. Every night around this, every day around this time, I'm like, okay, tomorrow you're going to wake up. You're not going to drink as much and you're going to work <laughs> out. And every morning I'm like Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, and then you're recording the a, and then you're recording a podcast and having some drinks in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nice, relaxed. But have you got an excuse being in up and down. being in Colorado in the you know you're at high altitude? So if you do five minutes of exercise, that's like an hour's normal exercise when you're not at altitude. I, there you I go. What you think? I just golf nice. instead. I feel like golfing is enough. Oh, that's like that's a four good. mile you... walk. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Unless you get a buggy, then it's a bit less of a walk. Yeah, yeah. burning calories. That's why. That's why I got this Apple Watch so I can bur- see how many calories I'm burning. And see how, how many people are, you know, slagging you off on Twitter <laughs> while you're walking around the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they all just come straight yeah. to my wrist. It's fantastic, man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> how do you um? How do you how do you feel as like a an ex pro now, having kind of been through the the ringer of playing in the NFL at one of the most physical positions, do you feel beat up at all after coming out of it? Or are you kind of, you know, you're still moving and grooving and, you know, able to step and slide on the dance floor kind of thing or what? Yeah, like, I I move well, I would say. I mean, for eight years as a running back, I move well. Um, but there are days where it's tough, you know. It's, yeah. Um, something here, like my, something with my foot, excuse me. Then it's something with my lower back, something with my wrist, you know, like something with my elbow um, or, you know, cause I like to, I try and stay active and like, um, you know, work out or go, I go play basketball. Well, I haven't, but play basketball at the gym and, and like my hamstring will get tight or like my hip will get, my hip will get tight or, you know, so I, I think I do pretty well uh, considering, 
Um, mm. but there are, there are days I'm not gonna lie. There's usually at least, at least two to three days a week where I get out of bed and I'm like, Oof, it's going to be, it's going to be a long day. Say it again. Is it always the same areas that feel like that? Does it change around? Yeah, they kind of rotate. <laughs> like one day, really? my, yeah, it'll be my foot. And so then I'm limping all day. So then the next day it's like my hip or my back. Because uh, yeah. I was limping. And so, you know, and I, I, I don't stay up on like stretching and foam rolling and doing all the things that I used to do when I was playing to like mitigate all those, all those soreness and, and all those injuries, uh, those long-term injuries um, because I'm lazy. And so, uh, <laughs> at least you're honest about it. Yeah. So, so it comes back to get me eventually. But no, I would say, yeah, there's usually about two to three days a week where it's, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long day. You know? Damn, man. So, just got to be smart with it. But I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm one of the lucky ones. You know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with like concussions. Um, like, major, yeah. I never had a major concussion. Um, thing ever, thank God. Um, never had big major back surgery, never had neck problems. So, um, those are the things that like really, really affect guys, is what I'm finding out now. Is if you've had a back surgery, a neck surgery, or major concussions, you're dealing with something like every single day of your life. Jeez, those so I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I don't have any of those. Yeah, um, you know. That's the that's the unfortunate part. I was going to ask about um, you're a player that finished with more receiving yards than rushing yards. I think, if I'm not mistaken, saying that. Do you think, actually, in some ways, your injuries and the lack of kind of head trauma and back trauma was because you weren't doing the not the hard yards. I'm not saying you weren't a hard runner, but you weren't doing the between the tackles running as much. I absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've never been a big guy. Like. I've never been the well, maybe I guess in college and high school, but like I wasn't going against the the size that I was going against in the NFL, and so it would be, you know, unless you have speed like a Chris Johnson or Jamal Charles, um, yeah. but even those guys, I was okay. I was I'm gonna say it like this. Um, oh, hold on, something came up on my screen. Um, the re- like I think smaller backs. Um, you have to have the ability to move and to be fast because there's hits that like, that like smaller backs, like when I did run the ball, if I saw somebody coming, I would know how to move my body to kind of lessen the blow or get down so that, so that most of the hit kind of goes over top of me. Um, if I'm a big back, you know, and I'm just going in there and just pounding, pounding, pounding. My, my frame, my size, I was 203 at the most. Um, mm. I wasn't going to hold up. Yeah, I, yeah. I just wasn't going to be able to stay healthy for, for 16 games. And a lot of people ask me, like, what's the hardest part about the NFL? And I'm, like, staying healthy for 16 weeks in a row. Like, that's, that's a feat. And I've only, I only did that out of eight, eight years. I only did that. I only made it through every – played in every game, like, three times, I think maybe even just two seasons um, where I, where I never, where I didn't miss a game. Um, it's tough, man. That's, that's hands down the hardest part about the NFL for any position, you know, it's just, it's just being able to get out there every Sunday and play. And that's when there isn't a pandemic to worry about and staying healthy as well. <laughs> yeah, <man>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? What do you guys think about that? Like, do you, 
in, in your heart of hearts, do you think we're going to get through a, a whole season? Man, we were just talking about it before. It's um, tough, isn't it? Before this, yeah. I, we I, don't know how they're going to work out all the logistics of it. And, you know, yeah. we're coming to the end of July and the players are tweeting that they don't know what the plan is. And <laughs> I'm trying to come starts next week, I think it is. I don't know. So, well, rookie, I don't, rookies and quarterbacks showed up when, yesterday, I think. Mm. Uh, or rookies and injured players showed up yesterday. And then I think quarterbacks are showing up today or in a couple of days. And then everybody's supposed to show up on the 28th. I, I, um, Russell Wilson actually um, said something like, you know, his wife is pregnant. pregnant yeah. 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 And for guys that my thing is like for guys that have, that don't need to play financially, is that worth, is it worth the risk? Yeah. That's you know? a very fair point, actually. I mean, the, the, if, the people who tweet the most are the big players, weren't they? Yeah. If, if Russell Wilson sits a year out, it's not like the Seahawks are going to want him back. It's not like he's not going to not find a job. But I would like, but if you're financially stable, do you even, is it even worth the risk to have your family members or if you have kids at home or pregnant wife or say your parents live with you and they're elderly and they need, you know, they need help around the house. Like I, I just don't think we know enough about the virus to say that, yeah, it's worth playing. Well, yeah, I think got- you under you are underestimating Geno Smith stealing um, Russell Wilson's job. <laughs> Russell Wilson's job. <laughs> don't don't sleep so. on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, but, but that's just what I've been thinking about the last couple of days. I mean, yeah, it's like, crazy. It would, it's crazy. If, it would be different if the NFL had a plan and guidelines. Yeah. And yeah. That that I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into, and then you can make an educated decision yourself. Um, like the NBA has done. But if there's no plan, it's kind of like you're thrown to the wolves. And I doubt that many of the players are worried about them getting sick. I think a lot of a lot of players have kids, a lot of players have families, a lot of players take care of their parents, a lot of parent players have pregnant wives. I don't think they're worried about themselves getting it. Although who would want to get sick? But yeah. I think they're more worried about who else they could possibly affect or well, yeah. somebody else can affect. Or- there are some guys with like heavy asthma and stuff. Um, if you're you an offensive lineman about, and you're but, you're overweight, yeah. I mean, if you're three twenty, if you're three twenty, maybe it's yeah. more of an like, issue. Yeah, you're already oh, yeah. putting a strain on your lungs and heart by being that size and being that powerful yeah. and doing what you do, and then you add like COVID onto it. I mean, yeah, offensive linemen in particular, I could see being very worried going into this sort of thing. Um, right. Yeah. And there's a very huge... fair point in terms of a plan, though. We were saying this before, just that I think the NFL thought and underestimated where we were going to be at this point. I thought they thought in September everything will be back to normal, season will go ahead as planned, fans will be in stadiums. Of course, that's not going to happen now. We know it's not going to happen, so right. they haven't made the contingencies enough ahead of time to know what's going to happen because they probably thought, well, actually, we're going to be fine. The fact that they haven't figured out the opt-out, like you said there, in terms of people who don't have to play for financial Mm -hmm. reasons, if they opt out to play, are they going to be financially penalized for not showing up? Because that was one of the things that J.J. Watt put in his tweet, was saying if we don't show up, well, we still get fined as if we're not showing up, but it's because we have legitimate reasons not to for health reasons. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very fair point. I never actually didn't think about it from a financial point of view that some players actually just don't need to play. Right. I mean... And the, and the other side is there, there are players that are going to show up regardless. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because, because either they're a rookie 
um, or maybe they were on practice squad all last year. And yeah, yeah, they're playing for their life. Yeah, exactly. They're playing for their livelihood. So those guys will show up regardless. And, but you know, then there, but then there's the other side, guys who are financially stable. Don't they don't need to play another down? They they're already worried about concussions, ACLs, Achilles. Now we now we're throwing a virus that might that we just don't know enough about to really make an educated yeah. decision, in my opinion. Agreed. Is that is that yeah, not agreed. stronger though than that the you know it was all the big name players that were on Twitter the other night who said we want to play because that then look whether that's their actual feelings or not you never really know people tweet out things and it's very much a business operation it seems if from a pro athlete's point of view on social media but at least it's the right players that could easily say I can't I'm not dealing with this I'm fine financially I could miss a year hell I could miss two years and still be fine I wouldn't have to play another down of football ever again that are saying that so it's the right attitude at least being shown by the NFLPA to ensure that the NFL has that pressure on them to make the right decisions to get it as safe as possible even if it delays the I mean there was a, a rumor going around uh, from the Pat McAfee show, Jazz, your favorite show, uh, I do like that, show. <laughs> that was that they, the NFL has blocked out the Super Bowl hotels in Tampa for the weekend of the Super Bowl and the next four weeks. They basically have a right to refusal on uh, all on those hotels. So it's uh, like they're kind of going, okay, uh, maybe actually we might have to do the Super Bowl by two, three weeks, maybe even a month. So it's almost like they're kind of starting to prepare about maybe a delay, if that's true. That wasn't confirmed or anything. That was something that uh, Pat right. had been told by somebody. But at least yeah. then it shows that they have given themselves a little bit of time, if that's the case, to make sure they can get everything right and put together so the players are safe and we get the best players playing American football. Right. No, I... I if that, I hope that's the case. And if so, then then tell us, tell the players, mm. let them know that hey, yeah. we got your back. I think that that's that's the toughest thing for. Uh, I'm just thinking, like, in the, from the players' perspective, it's like you haven't said anything, except you're not listening to the advisors that you hired as the NFL saying there shouldn't be a preseason game. You guys are the the, the owner of the NFL is still trying to have a preseason game. And there's a reason why they're trying to have a preseason game, but we'll get into that later. But um, <laughs> you're not listening to the health officials that you hired to advise you on what to yep. do. And not only that, you're not telling us anything. We're just like supposed to show up because we're afraid of getting fined. And it's gonna, it'll be fine until a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady or Russell Wilson knock on wood catches the virus and can't play, mm. you know, and, and it's unfortunate, but that's the, that's the reality of the situation. It's, it's almost like, why wouldn't you as the NFL do everything in your power to protect us? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, know, it should like, be a kind of everybody. It's a weird stance to take. You'd think that they would try and um, have it. So it's kind of, we're all in this together because, right. you would because think. you are like, you know, the players want to play coaches want to coach owners want their money yeah like everybody's got an incentive to make it the best it can be but the lack of transparency is just but it always kind of killing it at the start you know always no trust is feels there, like, like the nfl pa and the nfl over the last few years particularly as you know i've got deeper into following the nfl and all the kind of the businessy sides of it it, it seems like 
those two sides are continually just going further and further apart a little bit because the players get frustrated at their way they feel the owners treat them and the owners see it as we're paying you a lot of money to do this job and there are certain levels that you can't always have everything the owners this is will feel that that you can't have everything your way when we're paying you this amount of money for it and and it keeps it's a gulf that keeps expanding and expanding and and it doesn't help them when you have a situation like this where you need it as you say man to be a joint effort corporation yeah Yeah, you need a joint effort and i feel like other other sports organizations are run with the players kind of leading the charge i I mean i'm speaking mainly on the the nba Mm. like you can tell that the players in the nba have a strong voice i don't want to say they run things but they have a very very strong voice and their opinion is always heard and taken into account um, regardless of the situation, I, I don't think even from an outsider's perspective, but I've, I've been involved, obviously, but I don't know if our voices in the NFL as players are heard quite as loud or even partly as loud. Like, it's just it's there's just and I think that it, unfortunately it's taken this kind of pandemic and this kind of situation to kind of shed light on certain situations. Um, and certain issues that guys have been fighting for for a long time. Um, and that's the unfortunate part. But at least we're we're getting to get through it, um, hopefully. I mean, I just want – it just doesn't make sense to me why you would force something that could potentially um, ruin – if I'm an owner, ruin my team, my product mm-hmm. that I'm putting on a field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't make that it's not worth the risk to play a preseason game if my starting quarterback or my entire O line gets sick, and now we got to start week one with with five guys yeah. that have never played together before on the O line yeah. or a quarterback, a rookie quarterback. Not like, <laughs> that just doesn't really make sense to me. Why we were saying exactly that actually, weren't we? We were saying that imagine if you're the Kansas City Chiefs having just paid Mahomes all that money and your offensive line room goes down with COVID for the first two weeks, yeah. and then Mahomes has got all of these edge rushes just coming straight at him again and again. You wouldn't be happy about that. He'll be he'll be fine. He's too good. <laughs> fine. Well, you can put you can put us three in as his offensive line and he'd probably still score three times. Bold. My Tyson's the other side. We're not. We're not lasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but make sure if you guys do get called up to play, do not exchange jerseys after the game. Of course, I, I do yeah. not have yeah. seven grand yeah. to get fined for that's that. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Catch Corona. Yeah, that is the most ridiculous thing as well, isn't it? You can be this close to someone there. Yeah, breathing in someone's face guard for you can't sixty give minutes. Jersey. <laughs> yeah, you know. But <laughs> the thing is, going back to what you're saying as well, Shane, in terms of the uh, the NFL not listening to their medical and scientific advisors, it yeah. seems like lots of countries in the world are having the same issues with their governments as well. So it seems to be a worldwide <laughs> issue that yeah. science has mostly <laughs> forgotten. Save it for the political podcast, yeah. No, I know, but it's just, it should be, it should be mentioned. The NFL is not the only ones that are unable to listen oh, to yeah. scientists. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, That's a good point. Have a good point. You have a good point. <laughs> another rabbit hole that we don't know uh, it is no that's, that's a whole it's, different podcast it's interesting <laughs> it's interesting Shane, to be um sorry ollie go on no i was gonna say you mentioned about the nba and the players they don't run the show but they are far more prominent right. and the nfl has struggled with that like you think about the most outspoken voices in the nfl 
a lot of the time, you know, you know, Malcolm Jenkins did so much. Um, Richard Sherman's always, you know, always, always talking. A lot of it is sensible, so that's all right. Some of it less so. Uh, he's a smart guy, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. He talks a lot, but he can back it up with his with his Stanford education. So. Oh, did he go to Stanford? That would never been mentioned. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> never came up before. Apparently, yeah, Antonio yeah. Gates played basketball as well. That's something. That's a that's a secret <laughs> nugget that never never gets mentioned. Never is told. But like in the NBA, it's it is the LeBrons. You know, it's the faces yeah. of not just their franchise, but the league. Whereas in the NFL, it doesn't seem to be. There's not many quarterbacks that put themselves, for instance, in this. And look, a quarterback is the most popular face of the franchise in 99% of NFL franchises. Um, right. And and they, in particular, don't come out as much as, you know, the LeBrons. And it's I just find that peculiar is it because there are just more people in the nfl to share that burden of being a prominent voice is it is it that there are people that want to be part of the solution or is it but at the same time they want to play the game the business of the nfl and not impact on that i mean it's, it just seems quite odd you know I, if this, this is going to sound controversial but if the colin kaepernick uh situation was treated differently I think we would hear a lot more guys speak up. Um, That's fair. Yeah, and That's I'm not. Fair. I'm not saying that because when that whole thing was going on, I chose to link arms with my teammates instead of taking a knee. I chose to stand proud with my team. I just felt that that was what was needed at the time for myself. Mm. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, we don't have guaranteed contracts as players. So when a quarterback who was one of the top quarterbacks, top five quarterbacks in the league, went to the Super Bowl um, within his first three or four years in the league of starting, um, is ousted, um, lost his job completely, um, was better than probably 32, 32 backups, was probably yeah. better than 32 backups uh, in the league and couldn't even get a backup job. Mm. Um I think what it does is it, it kind of sends a message that, hey, um, we run this, and if you don't abide by certain rules, um, not only are we not going to pay you, but we're going to replace you. Um, and and, for, and that's kind of that's kind of where um, I think that like a lot of hesitation comes from. Um, guys and that's I think that's why we're not as as unified other than like we have way more players in the NFL than in the NBA um way more money um as far as revenue um and so owners and coaches can afford to owners can afford to make a mistake here and there because of how much money or release a guy here or there because of how much money the NFL makes as a whole yeah um their bottom line will be fine so you know, I, I just think that there's certain things that the NBA is able to get away with, not get away, but stand up for that as NFL players, we have to think two or three times about yeah. before before we speak. We can't just speak. You, you have to be educated in your thought process. You have to know what you're talking about and um, you have to be a voice, a voice in the NFL who like a Malcolm Jenkins um who can bring change to a situation fair 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. So, yeah. It is it is kind of something as I say that always just surprises me with the NFL. You know, I, I think it was it was noted when Mahomes kind of stood up this off season, and yeah. every single journalist that commented on it said the NFL is reacting and changing its statement around the kind of the BLM movement and and the social yeah. movement that was taking place because Patrick Mahomes, the golden boy, the face of the NFL right now. And you just yeah. think maybe there are now players that are bigger almost than the brand NFL in the NFL right. that can start making those. It's a lot of pressure then to add on somebody like Patrick Mahomes. It's like, yeah, I just got here. This is great. And then it's like, okay, well now you need to lead the movement. You've, you've, you've got to change the league. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, yeah. Do you got that? Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't pay somebody $500 million and not stand behind it. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, bad look. But, yeah. But the tough part now for Patrick Mahomes is like, I hope he doesn't feel this, but like he's got a lot more weight socially on his shoulders now because yeah. he can't afford to say pretty much whatever he wants to and he'll be fine. You know, um, I don't know if he's that type of person. I don't know if he wants to be that type of person. Like a lot of people um, say like, well, why did this person stand up and say something? Why haven't he, why hasn't he tweeted something out or posted something on his Instagram? Like maybe, maybe that's not him. Maybe he doesn't want to. Yeah. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe maybe the Republicans buy sneakers too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. No, yeah. that's nice. I mean, you know, like top Jordan rep. Yeah, maybe he likes to support from behind the scenes and, yeah. and donate and help out in a different way. You know, like, but there's, there's now there's such a there's going to be such a magnifying glass, especially this season, mm. on yeah. certain on certain guys to to do something, say something. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how everything unfolds. And with well, no I, preseason it, as well. Sorry, Dave, but yeah, with no preseason, like you yeah, go yeah. straight into important games, and mm. you know every everyone's going to be looking again at the national anthem straight away of those first games yeah, of the NFL talk, season, it? and it's yeah, and it's the first game. It's where it yeah. matters. There's no preseason kind of rambling through it or anything. So yeah, yeah, it just adds to it. Well, that's that's all I was going to say was like to me looking from the outside and from the UK the kind of paradigm shift it, it seems like there's going to be more pressure on players um to take a knee yeah. than to not now and after certainly after the way that people reacted to what Drew Brees said mm-hmm. um which I don't you know I, I mean I he it was really badly said how he how how he said it what he was trying to put across he didn't think it through properly but if he had said that when this first happened with Cap, he would have been fine. Like nobody would have even thought about yeah. it because people, loads of other people were saying worse things. Uh, yeah. So, right. um, yeah. you know, it, so it has changed a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see if players don't feel comfortable kneeling during the national anthem, are they going to feel like that pressure? I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's already going to be enough pressure going into your first game without yeah. having a preseason game. And now you got the added pressure. Of I know. I stand. Um, and that's that's like an internal fight that every player has to deal with themselves, um, you know. And I'm not in the locker rooms anymore to kind of get a feel for that. Um, you know, I know what I would do if I was in a locker room, but like I, but you know, sometimes coaches, owners will ask you to stand, and you know, it, it's it's it it just gets 
so far distracted from the actual situation and the actual purpose that um, you know when when you when you can hold over a paycheck over someone's head, it you you it kind of changes the narrative. Of oh yeah. What, yeah. what are we really kneeling for, or what do you think we are really kneeling for? Yeah, the context gets lost. Exactly. That's the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of change pace a little bit, assuming <laughs> that we do get a season and everything gets sorted, which is a big yeah. if from what we were just talking about. Um, have you got, is there a player that you're really looking forward to seeing? Either a new player or a player that really kind of gets you fired up? Um, well, I got to pick a running back because I'm biased. Uh, there's so many good ones now I, I was know. looking through I was looking through like for fantasy because I've got one line I've got one eye on the league that we all play in which I won last year by the way Shane so he's terrible yeah I let, <laughs> oh, he's terrible what I do oh, I, I, I let them yeah. win every single year because you know, not I, true he tries I, really hard I get really lucky I get to I get to go to the Super Bowl and stuff like that so they yeah. I let them have their Super Bowl of the fantasy league that's yeah it's not that you're just really bad at it no no not at all like it's his but job yeah. but he doesn't take it seriously if these running but backs Shane, make some was, catches uh... I mean you know like... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I was looking through you know and like McCaffrey, Kamara, Barkley, um, like there's Early, Mix, Mi- Nixon. There's just so many, like, and they're and they're your kind of style of running backs, I'd say as well. You know, yeah. pass catching running backs. So, so uh, yeah, what do you reckon? I'm looking for. I mean, obviously, I love, I love, like, I think like running backs. The the, the, the yeah, so running backs that are in the league right now. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I think that is probably the most talented position right now in the league and the deepest. That's why I think it's the most talented and the deepest. Yeah. Um, what these running, what running backs are asked to do now um, is more than other than the quarterback is more than any other position in my yep. opinion. Um, and so not only do you have to know pass routes, you have to know the pass concepts, you have to know blocking schemes, you have you have to you have to kind of read the field as the quarterback does, as the quarterback reads the field. Then they, then sometimes they'll hand the ball off to you, and then you got to read the run patterns. You got to know which 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 receiver is going to block the safety, or is he going to stay on the corner? So I'm one on with the corner. Like there's so much that a running back has to know now in the new league that I just I, I just love watching. I just love watching the position. I mean, obviously because I played it too, but I mean, there's so many offenses. Offenses are so intricate now. Um, so I'm really excited to watch. I mean, I love AK Kamara. Um, I really like uh, the kid out of Oakland um, who had a great year. Josh, last Josh year. Jacobs. Yes. Josh Jacobs, yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and I like I like the, um, a couple of the new guys that came in. I think Kansas City did a good job drafting uh, – Hilaire Edwards. Yeah. Yes. They mm-hmm. did a good job drafting him. I think J.K. Dobbins um, is going to actually do pretty well. And I think that um, uh, Jonathan, I don't know why I'm going blank on names right now. Jonathan from Wisconsin. Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head at the moment. 20,000 yards at Wisconsin. Anyway. Where did he go? Um, see, I don't even know that. I'm terrible. You guys shouldn't even be happy on this podcast. 
podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got it, man. You you guys keep you talking. Got, there you go. Yeah. Get Google. Uh, yeah. So, but I think I think the young guys are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I'm going to say a prayer for um, Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey because I think they are going to touch the ball so much. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yep. I just hope that they stay healthy. Like yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, there Indianapolis. We go. There we go. Over into the Colts. Gonna, see? Okay. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor's going to do really well. Um, but I, I think that Saquon. Um, I think that Christian McCaffrey. Um, I think Aaron Jones in Green Bay. Um, I think those guys are going to have a heavy, heavy load this year. Yeah. Um, hopefully, those teams can get a young guy to come and spell them. Um, because the NFL now, a running back can't last, like, the amount of touches that Christian McCaffrey had, I don't know how, hopefully he does, but I don't know how he yeah. can add up for two more seasons, let alone one more season. Well, look what happened to Gurley. I mean... I'm kind of I'm wearing a Falcons top. I don't know if you can see it. The guys <laughs> take the guys the guys take the piss out of me because I wear a Falcons top like every podcast. Yeah, but, you um, see the Super Bowl trophy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted. I, that's all I'm saying. It's okay. It's okay. Go that's ahead. So I mean, mean, I've already ripped them on that once already. You were in that I love Super Bowl, it. Shane. That's so good. That wasn't your to, Super Bowl. I had to, I had oh, to. yeah. Sorry. You teed it up uh, once, you, really. once a patriot, always a patriot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, just going back to Gurley, uh, yeah, I don't know what oh. to expect from him this year. You know, he's probably shot. And as a top guy, I mean, he might still be productive, but, you know, you see what happened with, like, Lev Bell, you know, Jazz is a Steelers fan. Lev Bell got chewed up, you know. They just, like, they just run these guys into the ground. And yeah. it's just, it's a matter of time. And they always look invincible until it happens. So like exactly. McCaffrey looks like he's in, you know Superman right now, but exactly. I don't know. Week eight against it happens, you know like something's going to happen, yeah. And then yeah. I think like and Todd Gurley's a much bigger body than Christian McCaffrey. Like mm-hmm. he should be able to take more punishment than Christian McCaffrey. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that both of them take good care of their bodies as well. But like everybody, especially running backs, we have a number. I call it a hit number. And once your body gets to that number, it's that's it. It's everything just becomes that much harder for you uh, speed wise because because it only takes like a small injury. Like say say you have a sprained ankle in any position, you have a sprained ankle. The whole time you're playing in the back of your mind, you're thinking about your sprained ankle and you're thinking, I can't make this cut because that hurts my ankle. So I got, I can only make this cut. I can only do this. Um, if I'm running a route, I got to kind of round it because if I cut sharp, my ankle's going to go out. And then, you know, and so then now you're thinking about your ankle, trying to catch a pass, trying to read a defense. It just, you slow down mentally. And therefore you're going to slow down physically. And it's really, really tough for running backs. I mean, especially because, I mean, we're getting hit. We're kind of like yeah. you know, not, we're not in the trenches like the big guys, but um, we're also getting hit and hitting at a faster speed than the big guys. Yeah. You know? It's the collision speed, isn't it? At that point, 
you're yeah, getting it yeah. as passing running backs out of the backfield, you're getting exposed to those big DNs on the edge that can yeah, get off the edge quickly. Yeah. And you or a you cam know, chancellor coming down, or you suddenly like you that. don't have yeah. an offensive lineman in front of you and it's open space one on one with you know, yeah, I'm just reliving your nightmares here, Shane. Yeah, I was trying to give <laughs> yeah, you flashbacks <laughs> after that Falcons comment. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because. I mean, because like I said, most backs are smart. So you like, I knew who I was. If I could read, if I read the defense correctly, I knew who I was going to be matched up with, and I also knew if I if it was zone where my problems were, you know. And you know that my problem over here this week is Cam Chancellor. Um, last week, my problem wasn't Cam Chancellor, so I was cool with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. week, it's like uh, I don't know if I really want to keep going. You know right. what I mean? So, yeah. So, but um, but yeah. I mean, just it's just the league though. It's getting bigger, faster, stronger every year. It gets younger every year, as they say. Um, but uh, you know, it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, of course, I'm gonna watch Pat every every down that Patrick Mahomes has. Um, I'm gonna be watching Tom in, in Tampa, and I'm gonna be watching Cam in New England. Like every chance that I get, I think this is it's gonna be a fun year. I just hope that we can get through it but i know there's so many cool storylines if we don't get to see them it's going to be really yeah, gutting isn't shame. it because i think tampa i think both tampa i i, I was talking to a friend yesterday and i think tampa and uh, new england are going to end up in the season with the same record and it's going to be like oh really i do i do what's that record there 10 and 6 okay that sounds okay. about right yeah that's what that's what i think both of them have great defenses. Both of them will have new offenses that are going to take them a little bit to to really get the to really get going. I think what I think the advantage of no preseason though favors Cam in New England more than it favors Tom in Tampa. Even with like that? the Brady Gronk just synchronicity kind of thing. Yeah, because people have seen Brady Gronk for okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got film on them. Brady and Gronk. Yeah, People yeah, yeah. haven't played against Cam Newton in New England. They don't like what offense are they going to be running? What is that offense even going to look? I don't like? know. You I have an idea, know. yeah. You have an idea what Tampa's offense is going to look like because you know Tom is going to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball. He's not going to run around. Well, Bruce Arians loves that stuff as well. So yeah, yeah. And I think people are going to really see the genius of Josh McDaniels in New England. To and it's going to be a completely different offense. Um, what it's going to look like. I can't wait to see, but both those teams, but both those teams have great defenses as well, which is going to help the offense mold, and it won't be such a sense of urgency for the offense because their defenses will keep them in games. Um, so it's I, it's going to it's and it's going to be cool to watch. Like I'm re- I'm really looking for. I think Indianapolis is going to shock a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, um, yep. I I, re- I really do. I like I like Indy's team. I, they're kind of different than they have been in the past. A little more gritty, a little more hard nosed, I guess. You know, uh, defense is playing a little bit better. Seattle's going to be really good this year too. They're always uh, good. Oh yeah, Seattle's going to be always do. Watch as long as Russell Wilson plays. If he sits out, then maybe not so much. Yeah, that's <laughs> Geno, thing, Geno, Smith Geno Smith can do it. Geno Smith can do it. <laughs> I'm really yeah. getting a Geno. That I should I should lay you off. Get the... a Geno Smith jersey by the sound of things, Dave. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Just. Shane, just just going back to Tampa, um, one weakness I think they've got is they don't have great running backs. So maybe you should come out of retirement and <laughs> calm down in Tampa. Oh, I can't do humidity, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tampa, 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. That's From the cool. West Coast, we don't do humidity very well. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to come back. All right, we'll see. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the reason. I like it. Yeah, it's the weather. I don't like the weather. When you're watching from the booth for Fox and then you suddenly get that itch of, well, you know, a lot of guys oh, yeah, are dropping that. out. I could... Yeah, but he's an air-conditioned studio, isn't he? So he's not going to get that itch. He's yeah. going to be nice and cool the whole time. I'm just, I, I have the itch right now just sitting, just sitting in my office because it's about time for, like, for the last, well, except for, like, the last two years, but normally this time of the year, I'm like, my body's getting ready for season and like, I feel like I should be doing something. And like, uh, so I, I'm always going to have the itch. I'm always going to miss it. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy where I'm at. Yeah. You enjoy the, like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts for breakfast and stuff like that, man. That's the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the way to get the feet up. <laughs> yeah. I get to golf any day that I want. I don't have to work out if I don't want to. It's great. Nice man. Yeah. I, the the Patriots season is going to be over by late October, early November when it gets cold and then Cam's shoulder starts to get a little colder and then he takes a few more hits uh-huh. on it and then suddenly Jarrett Stidham has to come in and he hasn't had time and then that defense uh-huh. can't help the offense enough and anybody uh-huh. who isn't a Patriots uh-huh. fan is all kind of praying, I think, that that's the way it's going to go so we just get a bit yeah. of respite, I think. <laughs> yeah, we could, use, we could use a break, couldn't we, to be honest? Yeah, well, so much <laughs> I, hope, I hope he gets his wheels ready. Which is the better dynasty, yeah. uh, the Bulls with Jordan or Brady and Belichick? You see that trophy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, yeah, see yeah. the trophy? Michael's oh, I got... saw the trophy. I love, I love oh, okay. MJ, I love MJ. Don't get me wrong. Fair. But I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, at all, of course. One of the things we, uh, we've we said before, I said before, is I think one of the issues that Bill Belichick is going to have with Cam Newton is trying to get his wardrobe under control. <laughs> How do you reckon Bill's going to mesh with Cam? And do you reckon that's going to be a major talking point off the field? It's important. Well, it depends. If they're winning, it won't be a problem. Okay. But, uh, yeah. They're losing. You see Cam in a hoodie suddenly. You might with the with the cut off sleeves. Cut offs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a good um would you rather that I that I saw. Would you rather for the rest of your life have to dress either like Bill Belichick or Cam Newton? Which one would you take? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> that's, that's actually cool. Uh Bill Belichick because I could get ready like that, you know. Doesn't and take comfort. There's, there's not much stuff yeah. about this. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I think I take. Like, it's kind of like how I've been dressing this whole quarantine thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what's what's on top? That's what I'm wearing. All right. That's Bill Belichick's been prepared for COVID his whole coaching <laughs> career, basically, <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, we should have t- we should have known. He was trying to tell us. <laughs> Imagine being his wife though. All those coaching juices. Him just saying, "Do your job every time, <laughs> and no days off." That's not what you need at home, is it? No, no, I doubt. I doubt he's doing that. No. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Wouldn't hey, he, he probably, she probably wants to see some more than anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that dog did a really good job at the draft. So I mean, it was uh, can't be yeah, too bad funny. back in the Belichick household. That you was know, great. You're one of the greatest coaches of all time when you let your dog make some draft picks. Yeah, yeah. that also Does shows because I mean, we always hear that like Belichick's really funny, but especially at press conferences, we don't get to see it. But that did kind of show for the first time really on like a big public stage that Belichick's got some serious jokes in him kind of thing. I thought that was actually a really good moment of just, yeah, yeah, you got some, you got something about you there. Yeah. No, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. Like, his dry sense of humor is like, it's, it's good. But you got to be there to like get it. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, he like, you know, he gets, cause he hate. I mean, he hates the media. And to be honest with you, <laughs> I don't blame him. Like I never understood why, why, like I get it because like media covers games and money, yada, yada, yada. But like, in all honesty, like it's a conflict of interest, the media, some reporters and the players. It's like, you you're like because you know certain things sell more and as soon as the team as soon as there looks like there's trouble with the team the reporter's not writing a story about like what can you guys do to write it they're saying what's wrong who's to blame should the coach still be there it's like and we let these guys into our locker room daily we got to talk to them daily and if we don't talk to them we get fined as Marshawn has has told us, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, best best so, radio row interview ever, by the way. Oh, it's great! It's great! It's great! Uh, and I hope I think more players should because I honestly because like being in the locker room, like we know which reporters are there to write something good, and we know which reporters are there to try and break us up so that they can get the scoop on why this player sucks and why this coach should be fired. Mm, like we, yeah. we know because players read, like you read articles. Like I, I try to ignore as much as I could, but like eventually you're going to stumble across something. You're going to hear something and you're going to read it. Um, and so we know we have a very good idea about which, which people write, which type of articles. And we're forced at some point to talk to these people that we don't like. Um, they don't really like us. And they're just looking for an angle, um, looking for us to slip up in one sentence so that they can like take off Find a quote. story that's going to completely decimate the locker room. Like, I'm, so. Are you taking notes, Ollie? With all this. Yeah, <laughs> I feel really sheepish about this because it's like I mean, yeah. speaking yeah. as somebody that's been in those locker rooms on like a handful of occasions and have spoken to you know footballers in in the UK and stuff, soccer players. Uh, so it's. I got it. I, there are definitely people that will that have that angle of they're looking for that line and I've been I've been in press conferences where players have said something but the context is completely taken out when uh, yeah. a guy writes his story and clips up half of the quote and puts it down okay. so you only see the latter part and and it's really frustrating because as when I go down there a for the NFL stuff in particular I'm just a bit starstruck so I'm like oh wow like dude, uh, these guys are normally thousands of miles away and I get to ask somebody a question or something. That's great. But there's there's also, I I have no, and I know a lot of people in the media don't have that ambition. They just want to, they want to get a a line, but not necessarily the negative one. They just want the story as in, okay, so you've been on a four game slide. Has there been anything that's been identifiable rather than it being, whose problem it is it and it a lot of it comes down to the the kind of the phrasing of a question and and a lot of it then though comes down to there's a frustration sometimes from a media point of view that you guys are so well media trained it's it's so different you can have um an off mic conversation with somebody before the super bowl and be chatty and have a really kind of you know proper like a conversation like we've had this evening and talk about like their family and their preparation and everything and then you pull the microphone out and it's it's a mask is straight on. Oh yeah, we're just here to do a really good job. We're going to do this, and it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's so agonizing because yeah, you want to just yeah. record. <laughs> yeah, you just want to record that. What you just said? That's not what you just said. You just told me something else. Yeah, yeah. but we have to now. I mean, yeah. like, and it's, 
you know, it's just tough because you say one thing wrong that you probably didn't mean, or even something that you meant that you said is taken out of context. And now my and now my Twitter feed is people just cussing me out about something that I never even said or mm-hmm. never even meant in that way. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's always been my fight with the media, and that's why, like back to Patriots, that's why I think. Um, players handle themselves the way they do and Bill handles himself the way he does around the media because I mean it's great when you're winning you know but as soon as you as soon as you have a mistake oh my goodness we're human and we lost the game it's what's wrong um is Tom yeah old? yeah, um, yeah. It's time for Billichek to get fired it's like you yeah know, that's literally happened like five times in that dynasty as well, where they've said like, is it finally over? It's and it's done. like, yeah. nope, you're going to yeah. win another one. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, year we, the year we won the Super Bowl, we were two and two after four games and they said we were done. Like we've gone through a quarter of the season, a quarter of the season, two and two. And I'd love to be two and two as the Falcons fan. That's fine. Like, that's, <laughs> right? that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. And that was and that was the year we turned it on and like the good thing was we used we were able to use that as that was like damn near our whole motivation, but like we used that as like like we go to, we lose two games and all of a sudden Brady's old Belichick doesn't know what he's doing and the Patriots are done their season's hmm. done you know yeah was and that so, that was that the year that that you went to the Super Bowl was that the year when you lost to kansas city on like a sunday night football yeah. and that, yeah and that was yeah. the game that everyone was like it's over it's over it's yeah. done yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. and belichick to his credit in those post game press conferences it's like people will start highlighting individual plays and he's like oh we just didn't execute well enough there which yeah. sounds like a boring answer but it is kind of the truth like, there's nothing more yeah. than that they just executed their play better than we executed our defensive player offensive player or anything it's it's the X's and O's that you want to hear about and you kind of hope that Belichick will lead on to. But if you don't ask him with the knowledge of the X's and O's a little bit to... Because he recognises that, it seems. When somebody in the media asks him about a technicality of a play, he elaborates yeah. quite a bit and he loves to talk the game, it seems. Yes, but it's when you start singling out players and you start singling out calls, you start, you know, you start trying to put blame, that's when, that's when the answers just get... And you got to respect it because he's protecting his guys. He's protecting his team. Mm. You know, he doesn't want, there's already so much you have to worry about. There's already, it's already hard enough to win a game. The last thing we need is like a rift in the locker room because this player said this, or this coach said this, or, you know what I mean? Like there's already so much, and that's what, that's what happened in New York uh, in McAdoo's second season. Like it got out that some player said to some reporter that, McAdoo lost the locker room and that wasn't the truth but it became the truth because yeah. it just takes that much a little seed and then the seed starts to grow yeah. and spread and and before before you know it it's over with so speaking of time in uh new york people say you can't spell elite without eli now the three of us don't entirely agree with that we think he's not the best quarterback ever <laughs> like ever? No, no, we we don't think he's very good. We think that he's overrated. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. He's probably not on my Hall of Fame list. Let's put it that no. way. No, <laughs> even though what he's done, I don't think he gets there. Yeah, he takes a lot of flack on the. Yeah, he takes he, take, he takes more than he should, just in general. Uh, um... <laughs> oh, God. 
Oli's Oli's favorite okay. one is you think of the Odell Beckham catch against Dallas where he's up around like that. He said if it's Drew Brees, Beckham never makes that catch because it's actually his chest. Doesn't need to. Perfectly thrown ball. Beckham, yeah, that's why he made crazy catches. Beckham yeah. looked great because Eli can't hit the numbers. Don't worry. He <laughs> <laughs> can hit Manningham down the sideline. That's about it, I think. That's all he's got. <laughs> With Tyree on the helmet. Hey, look, you can say, say what you want about Eli. I love playing with him. He showed up every day to work, and he beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So. And one time they were undefeated, and the second time I was there. So there you go. You know, I can't, can't talk bad about a man that single-handedly, uh, that last drive in the fourth quarter, I mean, you can't get much better than no, he plays well. He plays. I was legit. He yeah, play his best, but when he plays well, uh, he plays well at the right time. If, if that makes any sense, he knows when to turn it on. He's the but, second best fourth quarter quarterback, right? I'm just. Look, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the stat. All I know, where, where would you guys put? Would you put Ben Roethlisberger in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I would. Probably, yeah. Okay, then you, you got to put Eli. No, he's got a 500 record, you know. I mean, in my, in, my, in, my, in my opinion, if you're gonna put Ben Roethlisberger up there, then you've got to put Eli up there. Jazz as a Steelers okay. fan ain't liking that. Yeah, I know. I understand there might be more yards for one quarterback than the other. I understand, but the performances when the game was on the line and it mattered, Eli shows up. He shows up. Fair. Fair. That's yeah. a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, but we'll they see. Have, they, have the same, they have the same amount of range, right? Ben has two. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. got two. As a as a journalist, I completely understand what you're saying. As a Philadelphia fan, I'm going to blindly ignore it. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no rap. There's, it's not all rational, rational. This stuff. Yeah. It's just, uh, that's fine. That's fine. You know, we it's... don't need to be rational. For... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not meant to be rational. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was just fans. Yeah. <laughs> Cut this part out. Make sure that <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Any no no. Any bit that has Eli Manning praising, I'm happy to cut out. That's fine. <laughs> That's totally okay. We can. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick out the bits where you said he was. He's okay. Or this or that. And we're gonna split it together nice. to make it look like. Yeah, it's be it's those jump cuts. You know. It's a hit yeah. job. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. Oh man. Yeah, I I don't know where else to go in terms of, like dude you've been awesome just chatting with us to be honest this has been fantastic mate absolutely yeah, really awesome it, i would happily do this every single week you know like if you <laughs> get no, bored no. you get tomorrow, bored in colorado get man yeah. tomorrow shall we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, hey, shoot. Whenever well, shane's going back into lockdown so yeah. i think he's available yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> we can start inviting you to the watch along gigs where we play a classic super bowl and we all sit around and watch it and discuss the game yeah. Yeah, i'll do that for sure Why not? i'll make sure i've got some beers as well this time <laughs> okay yeah exactly yeah next time you guys gotta join me oh yeah. this was um the last thing i had uh just on my list because you you play you had your time with the saints under sean payton you had obviously coughlin and belichick all three have won super bowls all three are you know high caliber nfl coaches you're in lockdown or you have been in lockdown for a number of months might be going back in again at the end of that lockdown which one of those three coaches would you like to ring you first to say, let's go and have a beer? Oh, good question. Uh, 
Probably Coach Belichick. Yeah. Just so you can sit and reminisce. You remember that uh, Super Bowl 49? Yeah. (laughs) Just take me trophies. And whenever I had one-on-one conversations with him, it was like, it was cool. Like, you know, we got along great and there's a a lot of mutual respect. And yeah, I played there the longest too. So there you go. Fair. No, I kind of figured it'd be that. But yeah, I had had to find out because, I mean, those are three coaching names that do stand out very quickly when you look at it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was able to, play for three hall of, play with three hall of fame quarterbacks too yeah uh, if you put your line in it yeah <laughs> yeah two and a half <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like how you, you put that one in there shane yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It. yeah yeah you wanted to ring Big thanks there to our new best friend, Shane Vereen, for uh, taking so much time to chat all things NFL and everything else under the sun. As I say, we'll have more from that chat with Shane coming out as the next few days progress, including he's quite the connoisseur of tequila. Uh, He gave us a real rundown on that and what the best tequilas are and what you should drink it with and what not to drink it with. So big thanks to Shane. You can find Shane on Instagram, Shana34, that's S-H-A-N-E-R, Shana34. You can find him on Twitter as well, that's Shane Vereen34, Shane Vereen34. And of course, go to our YouTube page and Twitter and Instagram on Twitter, UK Pick 6 Pod on Instagram, UK underscore pick underscore six underscore pod and UK Pick 6 Pod on YouTube to see the video clips from our chat with Shane and our chat earlier in the show as well. Uh, you can follow myself, O underscore J underscore Wilson on Twitter and same on Instagram. You can follow at Jazz Gillum on Twitter and Instagram and at David Bluck one on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, thanks for listening and stay tuned for all the extra stuff coming out. And until next time, take care.